welcome back to This Is Not About Your Body. I am your host, Jesse Neeland, and today I'm doing a solo episode because uh, I wanted to share about something that came up in last week's episode where I was uh, interviewing Jill Coleman of Jill Fit, and we talked, like, right towards the end of the episode, we talked a little bit about anti-aging and and Botox and she said uh sort of posed the question of like is it okay to be a person in the public eye who uh you know is like promoting empowerment of women and and like body acceptance and that kind of thing and then also do stuff that might seem counterintuitive to that like uh you know anti-aging or you know getting Botox or whatever kind of thing. I think she mentioned uh, a few other things too, like spray tans and, you know, whatever types of procedures that like are very specifically designed uh, to help a person more closely conform to the beauty ideals that we have in our, in our society. So I think this is a really important thing to clarify uh, my stance on and also just like talk about and, and share some personal stuff with you. So my first thing to say about this is I believe in absolute bodily autonomy for everybody. And that means basically like you can and should do whatever the hell you want with your body. It's your body. Nobody else gets to have an opinion on that, frankly. Um, I don't think that there is any reason to judge how another person copes with the stress of living in an oppressive environment. And yes, like there is a certain amount of... um, gosh, how do I put it? Like sort of a responsibility to being in a public eye that I do believe probably... Uh, upholds a better society so for example like the Kardashians or whoever like lies about the procedures they get I do think that's really irresponsible right like they're really really public and they get these things done and then they lie about it to me yeah that's that's not like a good decision Uh, I understand it and they are allowed to absolutely do whatever they want I will never judge anyone for doing the thing But I will say that I feel a certain amount of, um, or rather, I guess I I should say I wish that people felt a little bit more responsibility to kind of owning up uh, to whatever that is in the public eye Um, or even in the, you know, maybe in the private eye. I don't know. Like, I'm not saying that everyone owes disclosure because they absolutely don't. But I do think there's a more nuanced conversation to have here. So bodily autonomy, 100% no nuance. Everyone gets to do whatever the hell they want to their bodies and I believe without judgment or disrespect from others. For any reason they want, (laughs) you're allowed to do what you want. But I do also feel that the more nuanced conversation here is what then are we obligated to? What do we owe the world? And I don't think there's a 100% answer here for anyone. I do, however, think that there is a need to be more transparent in general so that people are not then walking around like with this impression that bodies can look the way that um, we're seeing bodies look or faces look uh, so, so often. And that includes, I mean, a lot of like weight suppression stuff, you know, people who get weight loss surgeries or do um, weight loss pills or, you know, whatever other kind of procedures. And then we end up thinking, oh, everybody who is famous basically, um, is able to stay so thin. Or maybe they're just like hiding disordered eating habits or sometimes they're very public about disordered eating habits and they're like, this is what I do and you should do it too. So it's it's a complicated question there as to what we should be talking about and owning in a transparent way. But the doing of the thing, <clears throat> I will never judge. So that's the first thing I want to say about it. Like get whatever you want done 
to your body when you want to and that you're allowed to. I don't believe that it makes you necessarily like a bad feminist or or even necessarily less body positive to do stuff from wearing mascara to contouring your whole entire face, um, you know, to like getting your hair blown out, getting a spray tan, uh, whatever it is. Like, I don't think that that impacts or makes any kind of negative um assessment on you I just don't like you're allowed to do what you want that makes you feel good and if you live in a system of oppression it's nobody else's business how you cope with that so even if we're talking about like a person in a very large body who is dieting I don't judge it in fact I don't judge anybody for dieting I understand where that comes from because we live in a fat phobic society in which there are very real consequences to being in a bigger body right so the doing of the thing is absolutely fine and I think people, particularly people with a public platform, do, I, I guess I wish for more thoughtfulness in how they talk about it. However, I also feel, obviously, given my work, body neutrality, I also feel that there is a big conversation to be had about where these decisions come from. Because, you know, all these decisions are morally neutral, just like all food, eating all foods is morally neutral and doing whatever the heck you want for exercise or not exercise is morally neutral. Like body neutrality, it it expands to all of this. You can't be body neutral, but like apply a moral judgment to something you do to your body. You know, it really has to be all of it. So from a body neutral lens, I think you can look at these kinds of procedures or decisions and get more curious and actually have like a more interesting conversation than, oh, is it okay to do it or should I not do it? Because the question at that point really becomes, well, what's the motivation for doing it? Are you clear on that? And I, I would wish that everyone had the opportunity to get clear on it before doing it because I think so often these decisions are made automatically. And that's something Jill was saying is like, when did you start dieting? She's like, I don't even know that I made a decision to do it, you know, to look a certain way or whatever. It was just like something you sort of fell into at a certain age. It's like everyone's kind of doing it. It's just everywhere. And all of a sudden you're dieting before you even know it, you know. So I think there's something to that kind of default, uh, that automatic, obligatory decision-making that really bums me out and bothers me and gets me angry on behalf of the people who are being sort of ushered into this system where they don't have the opportunity to pause and be like, why am I doing this? Like, what am I trying to achieve here? What is this about? Um, what's my underlying motive even? You know, what is contouring my face get me? Or what am I hoping it gets me? Or what is it protecting me from? Or what am I hoping it protects me from? Like, the whole conversation that I have with clients around body neutrality is getting more clear about that stuff you know like why do you want to look a certain way what is the motivation uh, often the subconscious motivation um and what kind of fantasy are you holding for yourself on the other side like what are you hoping your life would would be like if you had this you know this appearance that you're you're wishing for um because once you get clear on that a lot more opportunities open up because again you're, you're looking at it with a neutral lens so you're like oh that's interesting it makes sense that I would want you know to like be more popular among my peers in middle school or high school or whatever um, or to get a great job and land a great partner 
Uh, if that's your impression later, you know, like in your twenties, you're like, oh, that's what, that's what'll get me the things I want in life. Um, if it'll keep me safe or protect me from humiliation or rejection or abandonment, like it makes total sense. You would want those things, right? But once you get clear on what is underneath it, you have the opportunity to challenge that and then go after what you're really wanting more directly and more effectively. And that's the gift of body neutrality. Body neutrality gives you this opportunity, this incredible opportunity to be like, oh, I see what's going on there and I don't judge myself for it because, you know, neutrality. Um, but I am now able to consider what I really want to do moving forward. And maybe that means I do sort of wish I were thinner, but I'm not going to diet and hurt myself anymore, right? Like I'm not going to like push myself past the point of uh, where I need to be taking a break and resting. I'm not going to underfeed myself or restrict myself because that's bad for my mental health. So I'm just going to not do those things anymore. And I can be conscious about it. And even though that might be uncomfortable because I'm like, I still sort of prefer to be in a smaller body, whatever. Like that is a thing that opens up when you're able to be neutral and informed about the whole process of what's going on and where these, um, these decisions or these choices are coming from. So likewise, from that place, you could totally say like, I decide consciously to uh wear a full head to toe <laughs> contour uh you know like do all the things that make me closer to conventional beauty ideals and like get the surgeries and the botox and everything because i want to be as conventionally attractive as possible but i'm doing it mindfully you could from that place you absolutely could I think be body neutral and make the decision to fit into a culture a particular way, send a particular message so that you can get certain things that you're aware that these looks can get you and, and be okay because they won't necessarily at that point, they can't be attached to your worth, right? Because you've done the work to unpack these layers. You've done the work of body neutrality to say, I'm doing this because I know, let's say you work in Hollywood or you're a model or something like that. I know that I have to maintain a certain aesthetic in order to get the work that I want. Jamila Jamil talks about this sometimes where she's like, in order to continue booking I have to stay relevant which means I have to wear like certain kind of fashiony type things modern fashionable clothing to certain events I have to show up looking a certain way so she is a great example of someone who I would say does this from a lens of body neutrality she's like this does not make me better I am not a more worthy person there is no judgment attached to the fact that I'm all contoured and done up and wearing this like you know super expensive fashion outfit that had to be like tailored to her body and all of that like it doesn't make her better or worse none of it does and she is open about that the fact that she can make these decisions but not because she's hoping that you don't know what she really looks like because she'll still share that too uh, or not because she's trying to trick anybody or not because she's trying to earn her belonging or or you know worthiness or anything like that she's just literally like this is what books me work so i do it and that is body neutrality right like it does not matter what the actual behaviors are or the actual choices are that's not what determines it being body neutral or not all decisions are morally neutral all decisions can be body neutral it just depends on where it's coming from in you because you could also do something super uh you know seemingly like inoffensive I don't know like wearing um I don't know like a lip balm or something you know and and have that come from a not body neutral place right like 
it could be something that comes from a place of insecurity or feeling like I'm unworthy and I have to fix this flaw about myself in order to be uh, deserving of anything good in the world. Like it, it doesn't matter what the choices that we're talking about. It matters where it's coming from. When we're talking about is it or isn't it like body neutral or sort of uh, mentally healthy. So with that in mind, I think uh, it can be absolutely body neutral to do any of the things that we are talking about here. Now, I I do think there's probably a certain, um, I don't know, like a tipping point at, at some point. There may be a tipping point where it's going against health, you know? And so it, at that point, I don't know, maybe it gets a little complicated or hairy, but I still stand by this. If, if a person made a truly body neutral decision around like tanking their health for the sake of something else they wanted, I think that's okay too, right? Like it ultimately is, it goes back to bodily autonomy and it goes back to what their motivation is. I can't think of an example right now where it would be like, like maybe someone chooses their career over their health. That's actually probably a pretty good example. Um, again, maybe it's a celebrity who's doing like a three month intense training that like kind of crushes their body, but is like for this kick-ass movie. I mean, that would be a pretty good example of, we're not saying that this is necessarily like good for them, but we are saying, okay, if they came from a place of making this decision mindfully, truly conscious of the trade they were making and the fact that that trade was worth it to them, and also truly conscious of the fact that doing what they were doing or making these changes to their body did not actually make them better, morally superior, more worthy or more deserving of good things, it could be body neutral. So that is my stance on those things. And with that in mind, I want to be super transparent with you all here and talk about my own personal approach and procedures. So um, I've talked before about getting filler in my lips. Uh, it was like a year ago and it was actually a really <laughs> kind of negative experience for me. Uh, I had sort of just dived into it. I was like, I'm just going to do a thing. It sounds fun. It sounds like I had like seen all these beautiful, you know, images and I was like, oh, that sounds dope, right? Like super cushy lips. I just think that would be fun. So I made this decision. They puffed up so bad. So my first like week and a half was really swollen and really um, bruised, which was my bad. I didn't know you weren't supposed to take the like the anti-inflammatory <laughs> stuff. I took like ibuprofen right beforehand. And so they bruised up and they puffed up so bad. It was un not normal. It was not a normal way of experiencing the recovery for that. But I had no idea there was any recovery. Like in my head, it was going to be so easy. It was really painful and uh, it was not an easy recovery. I had to like, I had bruising, not literally not just my lips. It was like all the way around my mouth. It was embarrassing. It was stressful. And there's just a really, really uncomfortable cognitive thing that happened where I would look at myself in the mirror and like not see myself. You know, you spend so long looking at your face and then your face is suddenly different. It was very uncomfortable for me and I did not like it. So filler lasts theoretically like a year, but I think there's there's still some in there. When I look in the mirror now, I'm I'm like fine with it. I'm I'm very comfortable with it. Probably like six months into it, I went, yeah, this is okay. I like this. This is nice. Uh, but it took me like weeks just to get from I made a huge mistake. I don't like this at all. I don't like how it looks on me. Too too comfortable. I'm like, okay, I made a decision, and it's kind of cool sometimes, and it's kind of weird sometimes, and it's all fine. Um, but it wasn't ever about becoming more attractive. So I, I was really confused by the experience of like 
feeling less attractive. That was a very weird thing to have to like grapple with. I was like, oh, I didn't mean to do that. You know, like I just thought it would be like neat to see my face look different. Like that's kind of the person I am. I'm like very curious. I do very little research about stuff. I just show up and make whimsical decisions. This is who I am. It's who I've always been. I did it that day. And like I I dealt with the consequences. Um, so with that in mind, I think you can still probably see in me now some lip filler, although I think it looks much, much closer to how it was before I got it done. Because a lot of it has sort of like um, faded, faded, metabolized. I don't know whatever happens to it. Um, so to be super transparent, something I've wanted to talk about is that I also got Botox. And this was uh, a few months ago, like three months ago, I got Botox for the very first time. And again, this was something that I had been like, oh, at some point I totally want to try that. Um, but it wasn't about being more attractive in fact, for me, one of the big appeals was, um, well, there's there were several. I read a whole bunch of really incredible research about Botox. Um, one of them was headaches. You know, there's like just a really decent pile of research showing that it, it decreases headaches to get Botox, especially because um, they can put it in the occipital something or others, like the, the little spots in the back of the neck. Um, as well as like the forehead and, you know, the sort of like hairline and where you hold tension in your face, that getting Botox can, you know, cause like that sort of forced, because um, Botox just uh, paralyzes the muscles, basically. It like forces them to relax. It doesn't paralyze them in a way that it's like they're tense, right? It it keeps them from contracting, so then they just relax. So anything that's like hyper tight, habitually tight, it, it sort of has this really neat opportunity to like relax for the first time. So that was what first attracted me to it. And then as I started looking into some of the research, I was just blown away by how much cool stuff Botox can do, including um, some of the, there's not a ton of research on this uh, yet, but some of the sort of preliminary research is showing that it can impact depression because of the way that our, our body language, including our facial expressions, impacts our like chemical makeup, <laughs> like how our brains uh, make hormones and chemicals and stuff, uh, and then vice versa, right? So these things go back and forth. A great example of this would be like you're feeling blessed, so you kind of slump down. That's one direction. But also if you slump down, you start to feel a little more blessed. So like there is a constant conversation between our body language and how we feel because of the the chemical stuff going on in our brains. And with Botox, you're interrupting that in a really, um, you know, mechanical way. Basically, you're like, OK, face, you're not going to make the same facial expressions that you always make. You're going to make a different kind of facial expression, one that is more relaxed because you you put something in your face that makes them have to relax. But for somebody who is chronically depressed or angry uh, there are certain faces that we constantly make. So I've I've been depressed over the last couple of years. So there's a there's a lot of scowling, which in fairness, I've actually always scowled. Like literally as a baby, I'm scowling and I have the exact same line in between my eyebrows. But like that scowling certainly gets turned up when I'm down. When I'm feeling low, I get irritable and I get... Um, I just hold a lot more tension in my face. Like my default face has probably always been a bit scowly, but I think being depressed, it got a lot more scowly. And and by that, I just mean there's like more of a tight knit tension in my forehead. And I even discovered, um, I don't know that Botox can ever fix this, but there's a, there's like a sneer that I get. Like I get like a, I get kind of like a mean face. So, you know, we talk about resting bitch face or whatever. I have, 
I have that, but also like that makes me feel worse, right? Because, you know, there's all this research showing that if you smile, even if you're fake smiling, you can actually improve your mood. Well, the same goes the other direction. If you're always scowling or or frowning or, you know, whatever, making these sort of um, negative cued up faces that we've like learned to connect to certain chemicals in the brain, then you will feel worse. You will feel more negative. So some of the research is showing if you interrupt that shit with something like Botox or any of the other neurotoxins, uh, you can actually get some relief from the depression or the other negative like feelings that you would get from... Uh, from this feedback loop. You're interrupting the feedback loop, which is incredible. I mean, I just geeked out so hard. I read like study after study, article after article. I was like, this is incredible. It also can stop because it paralyzes the sweat glands. Sweat glands? Yeah, I think that's right. Um, you can, you can like, uh, you can get neurotoxins like Botox in your armpits or your palms of your hand or anywhere else that your hairline if you get really, really sweaty. So people with um, hyperhidrosis, I think it's called uh, like just, you know, a really intensive excess sweating, they can they can basically be cured, right? Like for months at a time by getting a paralysis of those uh, sweat glands that are in overdrive. I mean, this is just incredible, right? And it's it, it's just blowing my mind. I'm reading all this research and then I'm starting to think, okay, it would be so neat to experience all of this like psychological effect for myself. I'm just so curious about this. I'm like, would I be less depressed? What would it feel like to not have resting bitch face automatically <laughs> for the first time in my life not to sit around scowling? And I got really intensive headaches, especially while writing the book because I'm staring at my computer for like, you know, 12 hours a day and then staring at my phone for the rest of it. So it was just this like really really stressful time, stressful on my eyes. I had some like uh, ocular stuff going on, ocular migraine kind of stuff. Um, and then stressful just because like I, I can't even describe if you don't get this, it won't make sense. But it's like my scalp would hurt, you know, like I would just feel tension everywhere. And I was like, I think that would be really cool to just see what it felt like for that to relax. And then I'm also really curious, what would the impact on my mood be? Now, here's the other piece of it that I thought was fascinating. Not necessarily a good thing, just a really, a really interesting thing. When you can't mirror other people's uh, expressions, facial expressions, because of the fact that mirroring is something we do automatically, like if somebody else is feeling something and we are sitting there listening to them, we automatically mirror what we are um, sort of seeing. This is all happening subconsciously, but it's one of the ways that we connect with people. So it makes them feel heard and connected to. And it, this happens in our body language and posture as well as our facial expressions. Um, and it makes you then understand what they're feeling, right? It's one of the ways that it's connective for both of us because they see it happen in us when we're mirroring them and they go, oh, okay, they get it. You know, it feels really good for them. They feel very seen and understood. And then we understand what they're feeling in part because we're literally mirroring it in ourselves on like a small scale, you know, so it, we're, we're giving our brain the experience of what they're experiencing and this is just an incredible fact about being people. I mean, I love this kind of stuff. I geek out so hard on it. But the interesting thing that I was reading is this can be um, this can be a positive for some people. If like, let's say you are partnered with or living with a very depressed or very angry person, you might constantly be mirroring their tension. You know, you might constantly be in a position of subconsciously taking on their feelings and sort of 
feeling them for yourself. Like an angry, scowly person who's like this all the time with a scrunched face, you might be doing more uh, scrunching, more frowning, more whatever than you would normally do because of this human um, sort of automatic impulse to connect by mirroring. So if that was the case, then Botox would actually be really wonderful for you, right? It would be a very positive thing because you would get to have a little bit of distance from the other person's um, negative feelings. Could be really great. Uh, the other thing, though, is if that's not the case, it could have a really negative impact on your relationships because other people would feel less seen and heard by you because you weren't mirroring them, because you literally can't mirror them. Like the inability to fully make, like to go through the entire, you know, facial expression range makes it so that you can't perfectly mirror another person. And by perfectly, I just mean like to the, you know, the fullest extent of your uh, facial <laughs> ability. So not being able to fully mirror them means that they're not, they're not going to feel quite as seen or heard or understood by you. Possibly. I mean, this is like, again, the research is like pretty new, but it makes total sense to me that this would be the case. So I read that and I was like, oh my God, what if I got Botox and then like my clients or, you know, my partner or whoever uh, felt less connected to me? That would be horrible. But also it only lasts like two to three months. So I was like, that's an experiment that I think sounds fascinating and I'm super curious what people would feel. But um, obviously that would be a negative, right? That would be a drawback. The more important thing I thought uh, well, not more important, just just sort of equally important here as far as like potential drawbacks would be that I felt less empathetic. I felt less connected to people because, you know, I mean, I'm a coach, right? So like I do a lot of work connecting with people. <laughs> and what if because I couldn't mirror what was going on with another person, I lost access to empathy? Because even if it were a small amount, that would be that would be pretty bad. Um, and likewise in my relationships, you know, I mean, I already think it's kind of hard for me to uh, be a super compassionate partner to my partner. Uh, it's hard for me to be particularly compassionate or empathetic uh, when I'm struggling with my own stuff, especially. So I have like a little bit of a reputation in my partnership of just not being kind, not being empathetic, uh, not being compassionate which sucks and I'm working on it. It's totally unrelated to this. But I was like, what if this made it worse? You know, like what if, what if I disconnected from my feelings of connection to my partner because I couldn't make the right facial expressions, you know, to like feel the right feeling or, or what if he felt disconnected because I wasn't mirroring and he just felt something was wrong, you know? So with all of this in mind, I just think it's just unbelievably interesting. And I'm a person who is all about interesting experiences. I think that I say this sometimes in my writing, like I don't feel like I was put on earth to be happy. I'm not sure that I even value happiness, but I am super like I feel connected to curiosity. I am put on earth to be interested and do interesting things and think interesting thoughts. So this is where I'm like, OK, I have to try this. So. I go, I get it done. And honestly, like, it was really not a big deal. I think compared to the big fiasco of the lips, I was kind of like surprised that it didn't feel like a big deal. It didn't hurt. It didn't take long. It, there was no recovery. You know, it was just like whatever. And then over the next couple of days, you, you have to wait like a week for it to kick in. And I actually got something called Dysport, not um, Botox, because they're basically the same thing. But this was on sale. <laughs> uh, so I did the special and I got the Dysport and... Um, so yeah, so it took like 
maybe four to five days, I think, to like kick in, meaning for days I kept looking in the mirror and nothing was different. And I was like, this is like very anticlimactic, climactic. And uh, yeah, again, compared to the lips. But when it finally kicked in, I was like, oh, this is so crazy. Like what a what a bizarre experience, you know, I'm like trying to knit my eyebrows and they're not knitting and I'm trying to like raise my eyebrows and they're not raising. It was very weird. I mean, I had specifically gone in there and told them what I wanted to do. So I'd gotten the ones in the occipital at the back of the neck. Um, I had gotten them in like basically like for the the tension up here and for migraines um, by the hairline. And then the the whatever you call in between the brows. I think they're called 11s, but um, mine didn't look like 11s. They I, it was whatever. So it, it was all of that. And then I think maybe on the outside by the um, by the tail of the uh, eyebrows as well. So whatever, I basically told them, do what you think makes sense for me to like experience relief, you know. And as it kicked in, I thought it was super weird. I was like sending photos to my best friend being like, I can't like, I can't scowl. Like I literally can't scowl no matter how hard I try. I look like an idiot trying (laughs) to scowl. Uh, And it was just a bizarre experience of like over the next couple of weeks being like, yeah, there's certain faces that like I think I'm making you know, in my head, I'm like sort of making but aren't happening physically, which was really weird. Um, I didn't get much feedback about, um, well, I should say I, I didn't experience much feedback. Um, personally, I didn't feel any changes to my own connection with other people. But I, I asked and my best friend, my partner, And I feel like I asked someone else who gave me this feedback, uh, basically the feeling that they were like maybe feeling a little bit, a little less connected to me, that it was minor, but they were like, yeah, I guess maybe that's true. And it was sort of over time, you know, it was like, hey, do you think you've noticed feeling less connected to me over the last month? Um, You know, and my partner was like, I guess maybe it just feels like you're not listening as much. And I was like, oh, totally right. Because like my listening face (laughs) is moving less because I could still move stuff. It just wasn't the same amount. Uh, that I normally would. And so, you know, my partner's used to me scowling along as I listened to him talk about something and I wasn't doing that. He also, though, said that I seemed happier and more relaxed and I felt that too. So it was a weird trade-off, right? Because I'm like, well, maybe you feel slightly less connected, but overall, like, does it make our relationship better for me to be a little bit more buoyant, a little bit like feeling a little lighter? Because the, the thing that I remember once it kicked in was extreme relief like relief from attention that I have probably been carrying my entire life and the the big thing I think is the scowliness um but also whatever else I'm not sure what was being held but it was literally like I felt a relaxation relief feeling that I I it was magical like it was it was blissful it was incredible it's like you know when you catch yourself like crunched up and you're like okay relax and then you're like okay I can relax just a little bit it was like you know popping a balloon and it just went (sighs) like all that tension was just gone and it was incredible for maybe like a month month and a half maybe Uh, it really didn't last that long ultimately um before you know, it started to sort of like balance back out again. And yeah, so what I was feeling was lighter, like emotionally lighter. And uh, it was kind of an interesting thing to think about the trade-off between I'm emotionally lighter, but my partner feels like I'm not listening as much, like which is better here. (laughs) Um, But for me, I mean, oh my God, landslide, like when it was incredible. So um, 
I went back yesterday and I got it done. So it hasn't kicked in. So everything's like very normal still um, on my face today. But it, it it's the kind of thing that I'm like, I would, I would maybe keep doing it forever. <laughs> but I'm also hoping that like if I do it for a while, the the patterns in my facial tension will change, you know, because it's chronic patterns that keep us stuck in these certain tensions, um, just like having your shoulders up to your ears. I was like, can I like get Botox in my shoulders? And she was like, I mean, <laughs> it would take so much product. And like, I don't know that that's a good idea because you still, you know, whatever. There's all this cool stuff that you can actually like use Botox to inhibit chronic muscle tension during rehab, which makes total sense. But just to do it on its own obviously doesn't make sense because the tension is just going to come back, you know. So I'm sort of thinking of this a little bit as an experiment too, where I'm like teaching my face to relax. I am teaching hopefully my whole self to relax again. You know, I'm really using this as a a tool in my toolbox for fighting depression and tension and um, fear and all the things that like keep me tight because I want to access that softness. I want that relief and I want it to come naturally. But I mean, I'm happy to use whatever the heck tools exist, right? And this is a very cool one right now. Uh, regarding attractiveness, I would say I also was shocked because again, with the lip thing, I was like, I would do this even if it made me look less attractive because of the relief it offers, but it it was super pretty. I really enjoyed uh, sort of a weird look, not being able to like um, make all the facial expressions the same way, but it, it felt super pretty to me because it just, it like does something to the skin, I guess probably because it, it, um, something about like it makes your pores smaller, like freezes the, the sweat glands, oil glands. I don't know what it is, but it, it made my skin look super dewy and like really, really beautiful. So I thought that was kind of a cool perk since that wasn't what I was going in for. And I really don't mind. I don't have any like complaints about the lines on my face. So it was interesting to see my face with less lines, I guess. But it wasn't like, oh man, this really bothers me and I want to change it. So with all that in mind, I wanted to be really transparent about this experience so that if you look at my face and you're like, wow, Jesse just turned 36 and they have no crow's feet or whatever. Like, uh, I don't want anybody looking at me and being like, this is what 36 should look like because I mean, everybody's different, but you know, I believe so strongly in transparency being one of those things we can do to be responsible and uh make the world a better place right like do what you want but don't um don't try to convince anybody that this is just like what you look like and they should uh use you know like olive oil on their skin to get the same results right like I'm not into trickery so here's the transparent version of my story um but also because I think it just, uh, yeah, it's one of those, it's one of those bizarre experiments that I'm like, I will try whatever forever, right? Like, I'm just going to keep trying shit. I am not going to worry about how any of this, like, feels to anybody else because I know my intention comes from a body neutral place. Like, it feels fun to me to experiment in these ways. Um, and it feels interesting to me to get to play around uh, with stuff like this and you know I I have the money to do it and so I'm gonna do it this is like a cool way for me to play I like it and it does not come from a place of oh if I get Botox and I don't have wrinkles I'm going to be more worthy 
I'm going to be deserving of more care, more love or more sex or more anything, right? Because doing the work to access body neutrality really opens up all of this um, space to play. And I don't mean to say that your way of playing will be anything like mine. I know everybody's so different. And a lot of people are like very, you know, uh, sacred about their faces. And and I just don't feel that way. I'm like, yeah, I'll try whatever. I love the idea of um, exploring like a more androgynous face, for example. Something I am really curious about is having a more angular look because I identify as non-binary, but I don't read that way. I read as very soft and feminine. And since, you know, there's like, there's certain things I won't do and then there's other things I will. And I'm like, this all comes from a really playful, joyful, curious place of like, I probably won't um, get a breast reduction or, uh, you know, get my breast taken off for for many reasons that like have nothing to do with judgment of that decision I actually think it's like a super cool decision for the people who do it and I'm a little bit sometimes I'm a little bit jealous I'm like oh I kind of wish I could do that um but I also feel so much connection to pleasure in my breasts and I just yeah that doesn't feel like the direction that I would want to go to explore androgyny um but you know I wear binders and that feels like a really good step for me but the, and, the androgyny of my face is something I'm like a lot more willing to just say, you know, screw it. Let's, let's try some stuff. <laughs> let's play. So yeah, there's all these things that I think can be done joyfully. And I always use Dolly Parton as the example. I don't remember her exact quote, but she talks about like how all of her decisions, I mean, Dolly is not natural, right? Like not, <laughs> not any inch of Dolly is natural at this point, but she's so joyful about it. She's like, if you have the money and, and want to do it and it makes you happy, just do it. Like that's, that's her whole thing. And it really feels to me like Dolly didn't look in the mirror and say, oh God, this is gross. I need to change this. It feels like she looked in the mirror and went, you know, it'd be dope as hell. Like tits the size of the Eiffel Tower. I just think that I mean I can't say whether or not Dolly Parton is body neutral I haven't got a clue but it feels to me like it comes from this really playful and joyful and and sort of exploratory curious place and to me that is body neutrality right like you get to play in how you express yourself and what the decisions you make within your sense of values your sense of pleasure and play your sense of self-expression all of this stuff is so individual so to ever judge the actual decision makes no sense to me for, as you can tell, a whole bunch of reasons. Um, but my, you know, my true wish for everyone is that they can come to any decisions they make from a place of body neutrality and knowing that they are worthy as they are. They are not, uh, there are no morally superior or inferior ways to look and there are no morally inferior or superior decisions to make about your body. If somebody gets Botox because they feel self-conscious because they live in a world full of these, uh, you know, like youth-obsessed beauty ideals, that just sucks for them. Like, I understand it. I completely understand it. But it speaks to pain that they're holding. And I just wish for them to un to, to have the ability to unpack whatever needs to be unpacked so that they cannot have to hold that pain for themselves or that shame. I wish for everyone to feel free to make these decisions from a place that is genuine instead of a place that is obligatory or painful or shamey. And that's it. Like, I know that's not going to be everyone and I still won't judge anyone for doing literally anything. 
but my wish, like the, the thing that hurts me is the thought of these decisions being made by somebody who says, I'm disgusting and I need to change it. Or I am unworthy of love unless I change it. Or, you know, unless I maintain a certain aesthetic, my partner is going to leave me. Like there's, there's a lot of sticky, mucky horribleness that these decisions tend to come from or be linked to. And that is the big shame to me like that is the big pain point around this stuff so if we want to have a conversation I don't want it to be about should you or shouldn't you should any individual ever do anything with their body or their face that's not the conversation that makes sense to be having the conversation should be about what are the factors that are making entire generations of people especially women feel obligated to make these decisions and feel so bad about themselves that they feel like uh, the only way to be worthy of taking up space in the world or be worthy of respect or be worthy of belonging or love or care or kindness is to be different than how they are. So I am not in the camp of natural is better. Everybody should like age naturally. You, you should do whatever you want. But, but please consider where these decisions come from in yourself. And to the best of anyone's ability... Uh, you know, I realize this stuff is so hard. It's obviously the work that I do. It's This is so much easier said than done. But to the best of your ability to consider how you can get to a place of making that decision without shame, without a story attached that one is better and one is worse, without moral judgment, without um, insecurity or fear. Uh, yeah, so that's that's my whole spiel on this. Um, okay, this ended up being a really long uh, solo episode, but I wanted to unpack it. I wanted to share it. I'm I'm really curious what y'all think about this because I think like it's kind of a loaded topic. I would not be surprised at all if I got some haters being like, "How dare you do this thing?" Um, you know, you're supposed to be like a upholding the natural aging, whatever. Like. It, I get, I get it. I don't believe it. It won't bother me. You're allowed to feel that way if you feel that way. Um, but I am just curious what comes up for you after listening to this whole conversation, like what, um, what this conversation brings up for you. Because I think it's a really important one. And uh, since I just turned 36, I feel like I'm, you know, sort of heading into <laughs> the stage of maybe talking more and more about aging because it's like going to be more and more relevant, right? Uh, so yeah. I would love if you are listening to this and want to just share your thoughts, like come over to Instagram at Jesse Nealand, shoot me a DM or uh, go to my website, jessenealand.com and uh, go over to the contact form and leave me your thoughts because I'm really curious. I think this is like a fascinating topic, obviously, and I'm all about having like all of the opinions and perspectives on it because I just think... Like we would be all so much better if we were more open about this kind of thing. And it's so relevant to body neutrality to be able to say there is no right or wrong decision for how you do anything. There is only interesting, nuanced, and like radically honest conversations that can be had around that. So that's it. Thank you for listening. Um, I just want to remind you that uh, you can go over to my website and there is merch available for you. If you want to support me or uh, rep my brand or just rep body neutrality, there's t-shirt designs that uh, have all been created by my lovely partner, Drew Hughes. So go, go on over there uh, to the shop page. There's some uh, self-study programs as well. 
uh, including my newest ebook called Sustainable Movement, A Body Neutral Guide to Health and Fitness, which is 103 pages of content about how you can actually cultivate like a truly healthy, sustainable and positive relationship to movement uh, and not like let the desire to get healthier or be fitter like tank your mental health or your body image. So you can check that out. That's um, that's all on my shop page. So yeah, thank you so much for listening. I am happy to have you here. Um, and I will catch you next time. Bye.